Hello and welcome to the monthly Ordnance Power Hour podcast. I'm Sergeant First Class David Woldridge, your 89 Delta Talent Management NCO. I'll be the host this month and I'm joined by Colonel Daryl Morse, the Sustainment Division Chief. Colonel Morse, welcome to the show. Sergeant Woolridge, uh, thanks for the opportunity to come in today and uh, talk to the Ordnance Corps population about Human Resources Command in general, the Sustainment Division specifically, and what we do for the soldiers families and the Army on the whole. I'll say personally, I'm a fan of the podcast, and I think this is an excellent resource for all of our soldiers, civilians, and families across the Ordnance team. I appreciate it. I think it's really important that we have you as a guest with how things are changing so rapidly with the introduction of IPSE and the switch from a 4187 to the PAR, or Personnel Action Request. How do you think, uh, basically, how would you explain this transition, and if I could go a step further, how are PARs changing how we execute administrative actions? So the Army's transition to the Integrated Personal Pay System Army, uh, or IPSE, has been a long time coming. I know I'm an AG officer by trade, and I have been hearing about IPSE coming online since roughly 2014. Now, I will say that this is a total Army system, and I, I make that point because back in 2019, the National Guard was fielded IPSE first as part of uh, what was called Release 2. Uh, and then just early this year was what was originally called release three to the reserve component as well as the active component. And this is a significant administrative change for the Army. Uh, I would argue probably the most significant change in the past 20 years because it's really the first Army tool that is able to look across the entire force, whether you're an active component soldier, you're a National Guard soldier, or you're a reserve component soldiers. Because it allows us to see our soldiers and to manage their administrative uh, actions in what is a really a one-stop process. So as you mentioned, a personal action re uh, request or a PAR is one of the most visible examples of this IPSA change. So now with the PAR, we have a single automated action, uh, one that's replaced in many ways the DA Form 31 of the leave form and the DA Form 4187 that gives a process for a soldier to submit an action, the chain of command to review and vote on that action, all while the soldier sees that uh, submission in real time. So no longer does a soldier have to submit a leave, um, which we now call absence in the IPSA vernacular, and then the, run the risk of worrying about being lost somewhere in the approval process at pick your level from the platoon all the way up. Uh, so now a soldier is able to go onto the IPSA website on their phone, and I'll pause for a minute and say for anybody out there who has not downloaded the app onto their phone, strongly encourage you go out and do that. Uh, because you're able to log in, submit your absence request in this particular case or any other administrative action, and you're able to watch it, the flow of each step, all from the comfort of your couch. So no longer do you have to go into the, your, your pack or your company area, get onto a CAC-enabled computer, uh, wait in line to get on a CAC-enabled computer, get on the computer and submit your, your, your absence in this case. You now can do it from your phone and you can watch it all the way through of who has your action and where it is in the approval process. So I'll kind of end by saying that on this particular question, the power that's at a soldier's fingertips from the uh, release of IPSA is truly remarkable. I totally agree with you, especially when it comes to the absence requests, because they're, they're pretty straightforward. But I guess my question would be, um, what's the difference between a soldier-initiated PAR and one started by their S1? Because I've, I've had soldiers reach out and ask, hey, I'm trying to submit a PAR. What kind do I use for this action, or should I just have my S1 do it? So, 
That's a great question. Um, overall, there's really no difference in the PAR itself in the terms of the submission process between the soldier submitting it and the S-1 submitting it. Now, before I go on, I'll say the S-1, our, our HR warriors out there, are there to help the soldiers because I do agree there are some nuances inside the IPSA that you inadvertently may pick uh, the wrong uh, drop down on the IPSA action. But as I said, it's really the same process. So I will say though, if an S1 submits it other than the soldier, uh, the difference is we call that a buddy par. So it's not really the soldier submitting it, it's the S1 submitting it on their behalf. But even after the S1 submitting it on the soldier's behalf, since it's tied to the employee ID of the soldier, which every single soldier in the Army, regardless of your rank, you have a specific employee ID for you, you now can still see that action even though someone else submitted it as a buddy par on your behalf. Um, I do want to note, as I said before, that uh, now in the IPSA environment, that, that HR warrior, that 42 Alpha in your S1 shop is able to see all your PARs. Uh, and they have an important role in that because their job is regardless of who submits it, whether the soldier submits it or the uh, S1 submits it, they need to go and ensure that the correct workflow, like in the case of an absence, or the correct user-defined list uh, or UDL in the case of a, a, specific, a specific administrative action um, is submitted for what may be like a continuous overseas tour or a deferment request, they're going to make sure the correct UDL is attached to that action to ensure that it gets processed quickly, but most importantly, correctly. Okay, so in that case, what would be the general routing chain for PARs that start at the soldier's level and come to HRC? So it, the routing chain for a PAR from the soldier to the HRC, I'll say, is in many ways no different than how we've done business for the past few decades. But really what it is is it's more streamlined and in, the intent is to be quicker uh, since it doesn't have to be manually processed with all the requisite cover sheets or the staffing forms that we've been used to uh, in the Army. So now that once the S1 soldier places the correct workflow or user-defined list on that action, it's going to route through the pre-established approval chain through the organization, again, depending on the type of administrative action, uh, those are preset by the, by the unit, uh, and then it's going to come up to HRC through an automatic process. One thing I will say, an interesting design within IPSA, and because IPSA, I will say, is a commercial off-the-shelf system, or what we call a COTS, um, it's not, it was not designed by a Department of Defense. Uh, in essence, the Department of Defense bought it, I'll use for lack of a better term, is that no one person in the chain of command can hold on to an action for longer than a few days. Um, because if it sits stagnant at any level of the workflow or the UDL process, within a few days, it's just gonna keep moving. Whether that individual in that workflow or UDL has even opened up the action or touch the action, it's just going to keep moving. So what this does is this actually is forcing organizations and leaders to be more responsive to soldier actions. To again, because it'll just keep moving its way through. I will say by design, uh, IPSA was supposed to work. Is supposed to work where from the moment of initiation to the moment of approval is ten days. Now. That, as we all know, we've been watching since it go live, it isn't quite working that way, uh, but that's the design, and in the end, that's the end state that we all want to get to. That would be amazing to see admin actions happen in 10 days. Uh, what are some of the most common PARs that you see come across your desk for approval? So we see the entire spectrum of PARs of all sorts, but probably the most that come to my desk for review are associated with assignments such as requests for deferment, 
extensions, a continuous overseas tour, and a deletion. Uh, as I noted before, this is the, the same process we've used in the Army in terms of a approval process. The difference is we're no longer relying on email from the S1 or the G1 to process an action since it comes directly from IPSA as long as the correct UDL has been put on by the organization. And I make this comment because there's been a conscious effort by the Army uh, and the G1 Force Management Division, who are the capabilities developer for IPSA, to ensure that the correct laws, policies, and regulations are what I'll call baked into IPSA, uh, and that the system doesn't allow a process that's not prescribed by either a DA PAM or an Army regulation. So the intent behind it is that IPSA follows the rules that we've always followed, but just now inside an automated process. Okay. I have soldiers reach out to me concerned about whether they should submit a PAR because they think that it won't get approved. And I have to usually dis describe to them that it's not necessarily always the case because people first is the motto. So I would ask, um, what goes into your decision-making process when you're deciding to approve or disapprove a PAR? I'll say there's a myriad of factors that go into a division, uh, into a decision. I'd say it, I break it down to either the tangible or the intangible. So the tangible is really the strength picture, uh, the yeah, the strength picture of both the losing and the gaining command. Because we're always going to look at what the current uh, and projected number of soldiers for a specific MOS and a grade are in an organization. As HRC or as any HR organization, that's the one thing we do. We can call it the faces to spaces. The faces is the soldier, the spaces are the authorizations that are out there. And we want to match as close as we can the requisite strength with inside an organization as stipulated in what's called the Army Component Manning Guidance or ACMG. Everything we do in terms of manning goes back to that one document. Um, because, or if we know that a specific organization is preparing for an operational rotation. Those are things that we take into consideration from the tangible. The, from, from the tangible. The intangible is that is the soldier and, and more often than not the family. For me personally, I'm always trying to be con uh, conscious of the human element and that every soldier has goals and personal situations which can affect a, de a decision. While I want to ensure that we're trying to correctly staff and man an organization uh, to the requisite level, we also try to be conscious of making a decision which is best for them and, and as I said, and their family. On many occasions, I've approved an action on behalf of a soldier uh, that may be better for the soldier than it is for the organization because there are those intangible factors behind it. So again, we're always looking at the manning, but we're also trying to be very cautious and conscious of the soldier. I want to note also that I'm not the only step in the process. Uh, when an action, action gets onto my desk, multiple people have already reviewed it, whether it's the assignment manager, the talent manager, the branch chief, or even the branch sergeant major. So the process is comprehensive, and I do try to make it a point to consider all opinions when I'm looking at my decision-making process. <clears throat> While working here at HRC, I obviously do my best not to speak ill of IPSA because it has created a lot of problems for a lot of different soldiers out there. But I just wanted to bring up what complications that you may have seen with the PAR process and what he, what's being done to fix these problems. So I'll say like any new process or system, IPSA is by no means perfect. Uh, and there has been and will continue to be growing pains. Uh, whether that's latency inside the system because IPSA is a web-based system, we are I'll use the word hostage to the connectivity and the latency of the system. Um, 
I'll say this is also a learning process for both the soldier as well, who's submitting the action as well as the entire review process from that first line supervisor or leader all the way up to HRC. So really, I, I think I break the complications down into two different buckets. The first is the education at the user level for the soldier who's submitting the action and also the maturity by the system itself. So the soldier who's the user really needs to understand how to correctly submit a PAR, much to your question that you asked earlier, uh, how do they do that? And then how do they ensure that it's transmitted correctly to the next stop in the approval process? Now this has been a never-ending educational process and it's one that's never gonna stop because we will have soldiers entering the Army almost on a daily basis. So we're continually gonna have to teach and educate them on IPSE. Um, I will say this process is succeeding leaps and bounds um, since we went live with IPSE at the beginning of the year. Uh, the second uh, bucket, as I said, is the system maturity. And this may be the most significant problem. So we, because we want IPSE to do so many things. We, in addition to moving, approving actions, we want to be able to have a, a uh, planning capability inside uh, within the Oracle-based intelligence education system, or OBIE. Um, while the capability is there, we really need to understand how to access those capabilities and also identify when the system can't do something we need it to do, whether that's supporting a soldier, an organization, or a family. And now this process is never ending and it requires the support of every soldier, regardless of your MOS, as well as leaders at all levels. So I do wanna commend the Army G1 team for taking on the task of improving the system and trying to make it accessible, uh, as well as intuitive for all personnel regardless of their age, their rank, or their MOS. So, but for my position, while the PAR process has improved exponentially since when we went live earlier this year, uh, I know it's gonna be even better at the end of the year. I, I totally agree. Well, uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Colonel Morris, I, I appreciate you joining me for the podcast. You provided valuable information that many soldiers likely didn't know to even ask. So, Sam so Robich, thanks again for allowing me to talk today and before uh, I leave, I just want to make one last appeal to everybody who's listening. So while I understand there's still some quirks, glitches, difficulties, whatever word you want to use for IPSE, I will say its capabilities are truly amazing and it can only get better and work more smoothly with everyone's support. I do want to say IPSE, the, the belief is that it's an adjunct general core system or HR system and it really isn't because it is a soldier system. Uh, and it's meant to support every soldier, every NCO, and every officer in the Army. So I ask, if you see something wrong, then say something, because we can only make it better through everyone's help. I, I agree completely. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Ordnance Power Hour podcast. You can always reach out to the Ordnance Branch through the HRC Enlisted Ordnance Branch Facebook group. You can also get in contact us through uh, Microsoft Teams or Army Enterprise email. And finally, don't forget, we are the man behind the man behind the gun. Mm -hmm.